Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. You know what I call that band? I call that band the Kingdom of God, God Connectors, because they connect me to God. They bring worship in, which is an atmosphere uh, that I could listen to for hours. I think of driving up from the Kruger National Park from a place called Shingwetsi through uh, the northern parts of the country and then down on the highway through the cities that we pass by down to the south. It's about, it's about eight hours of solid driving from Shingwetsi back home. And uh, we had a little, like a little uh, memory stick that we pushed into a slot in the car. And from Shingwetsi uh, all the way back home, we listen to these these people singing one song after another. You actually, get it on the internet, Spotify. You get it in Shazam. You get it in uh, uh, Apple Music and and so on. Whatever suits or pleases you, you can listen to them. They are very, and you can even find them on on uh, Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, so may God bless you as you listen to them and connect you with heaven. That's what it's all about. When it gets to God, I get real serious because I feel there's so much uh, so much going on that's really not godly. We're living in a, in a society that is desperately sick. And I'm not just referring to COVID. The whole society, apart from the kingdom of God, citizens, those who are truly born again, saved, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, names written in the book of life. These are the people that make up the true church of God. And um, so may you all be blessed. And if you're watching even now, make a commitment to Jesus Christ. If you confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God the Father raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you'll be saved. Just like that. No other name given under, under heaven. No other name given under heaven by which a man can be saved. Now, 2 Chronicles 24, verse number 20. 2 Chronicles 24, 20. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, uh, the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? That struck me. Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper. Giving all the glory and thanksgiving to God that I can that I can ever have. We have seen our church as stable, as stable as can be right through this COVID period. And it did not cause a ripple on the water. Apart from the fact we couldn't attend church, everything went on as per normal. They met in Zoom cells, in home cells, in uh, other countries even, they just kept on and uh, there was always this communication between the pastors and the district leaders and, and so on and so forth, the leadership of various levels. They did such an incredible job. I have a team of people that I can really commend to you. And uh, so looking at, at all of that, I'm saying at the end of the day, to God be the glory for the things he has done. You know, how do you prosper in the midst of a drought, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of 
uh, let's say some of these hurricanes that you get uh, coming across America in the south, we call them tropical storms. In the north, they call them hurricanes. And in the east, they call them typhoons. And so uh, how do you prosper in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the fire, when there's looting going on, things like that? My key will always be my key. And that is that seek the Lord, may he find, may, while you may find him. So in the day of trouble, call upon him. He will help you and you will give him the honor. Today, I give him the honor for preserving Little Falls Christian Center, no compromise Christian Center up to this hour. And I must say, you know, uh, if I look at the whole thing, maybe it's a handful of people that we saw, you know, sort of drifting away from God and the pastors jumped in there. They phoned left, right and center. They're working on, you always get people on the outer edges and they actually live in a very dangerous zone. So we're doing that all the time because we're shepherds of the sheep. We're trying to get the sheep, keep them together. And we do it very successfully, particularly through the home cell system. You should phone the church and find out more or look on the website or get the app. That's the church in your pocket. Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Now, here's another scripture that says King Uzziah was 16 years old when he became when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. From 16 years to 52 years that he reigned in Jerusalem, his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought the days, the, 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 the God, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he, Uzziah, sought the Lord, God made him prosper. That means to advance, to push forward, to break out, go over, uh, become profitable. I'm reading out of the dictionary here, to have great success. Well, as long as he sought the Lord, and I call this life on the cutting edge. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about some other things that I have to reserve for the road forward because we will never get to the end of today's session if I dive into that now. But remember that, you know, if you transgress, you know this book tells you don't do this, that to the other. And then you find some reason or of some verse, you twist the scripture to justify wrong behavior. Some, the Bible says some having twisted the word of God to their own destruction. And you, you begin twisting the word and you do things that you shouldn't be doing. And there's where that prophecy came. Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? I want to tell you one more thing and then I'll get into this. And that is to say this to you, that I realize more than ever before, with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength and all that is within me, that we, the true church of God, whose names are written in the book of life, who are washed in the blood of Jesus, covenant people of God, body of Christ, bride of Christ, we have this blessing upon us. 
And our protection is to walk by faith, not by sight. The just shall live. Just means declared just or righteous. Shall live by faith. Okay? We live by faith, not by sight of what we see around us. So my focal point always remains the kingdom of God. My talk at home, when I'm alone, when I'm like with Maud, we spend most of our time just talking about the word of God, things she got, things I got, and we share some, some revelations that she got. She's doing her work. I do. I, I'm married to a woman of God. And this woman of God sits in the middle of the night with her Bible and she reads and she studies, never talks about it, just does it. And what a pleasure we were able to, because of that, it gave us experience, it gave us training, it opened up doors, it helped to bless the people. You know how many people that we prayed for in this period of time, prayed for, I say, that we literally caught on the edge of death that I have prayed, sometimes I have prayed that I walk away with, you may, may say in plain language, like with a sore, sore throat, because I went to such a volume in some cases where Maud and I are sitting here early in the morning and I let rip. She says, you know, the neighbors two two stands down. They can hear you praying. I said, I don't care. Somebody's life is at stake. I'm praying. And God God listened to me and God did and I did. And it was just like he did the rest. And I walked away from the problem and it was now in the hands of the Lord to take over the problem. Now, uh, we spoke about Elijah and Elisha and we spoke about the Elisha factor. Remember this, catching the mantle of Elijah, everybody wants a, a double portion of the anointing of Elijah. Everybody preaches about that double portion. They don't even know and fully understand what that actually means. Okay, what happened to Elisha after Elijah? What was the characteristic of the one versus the other one? Look at this morning's sermon. I haven't got time to repeat that again. But it involved much more than what Elisha himself would have expected. And it turned out into a lifetime with twice as many miracles. God activate, picking up that mantle. Once Elijah threw it on him, then Elijah dropped it to him and he caught it and he went through the Jordan, split the water with that same mantle and the people said the Spirit of God rests upon Elisha. Of, of, uh, of Elijah came upon Elisha and of course that's the Spirit of God. When God activates you, it's like a switch that goes on. It happened to me also. It's a switch that goes on and you don't ever want to switch it off again. Because from there, it, the Holy Spirit presence, becomes your sustaining, becomes your providing, becomes your counseling, becomes your advocate, your standby in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ who ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Now, I always say we can do whatever we want to do. We can ask for a double portion of the of the uh, of of the the mantle of Elijah. But my hero of them all is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And uh, so, having said that, I want to go to uh, see what we can find here in the Bible in Matthew fifteen verse thirty four. 
he is at a typical place, uh, and uh, uh, here in I'm gonna, let's let's take it from Matthew chapter number fifteen thirty two. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself, said, "Have compassion! I have compassion on the multitude." He was a compassionate person. I'd like us all to be compassionate people, because. They have now continued with me for three days and I have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. So Jesus cared about them. He had compassion on the multitude. That word there, compassion, by the way, means, um, let me just quickly have a look, even have the bowels yearning, feel sympathy for a person or pity them, have compassion, and if I go to the, if I just go in here to the Greek definition, it means here inward parts of the body stirred up uh, uh, and uh, up to the entrails, it literally says in the dictionary, love and affection that uh, he has uh, for the people. And finally, also, um, it means uh, transference is made to the rendering of the heart of the person and changing you into a position where in your heart you feel so sorry for people. You have compassion. You don't want to let them go except they be fed first. So now, looking at this, Jesus is saying these words. He says, I have compassion on the people, on the multitude. So a lot of people there. And his disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? That tells me a little bit because I've been there 32 times. And, you know, in the vicinity of the area where the so-called mountain of the multiplication of the loaves, the bread, and the fish uh, took place, is a place called Tapcha. And uh, yeah, there at Tapcha, uh, of course, they go through seasons and the dry season and the wet season. And then, of course, uh, the dry scenes normally in the summer. It gets hot, it gets grass, dead, dry, and uh, then it just goes down, down. The grass drop, and uh, it, there's, there's very little to eat. And they say to him, you know, uh, where on earth are we going to get bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus, the Lord, said to them, how many loaves do you have? And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fish and he gave thanks and he broke them and gave them to his disciples. We'll talk more about that. And the disciples gave it to the multitude. So they ate, they were all filled. They took up seven large baskets full of the fragments of what were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides the women. That, let's say they're 4,000 men, 4,000 women roughly, and then still the children on top. And he sent away the multitude got into the boat and went to the region of Magdala. So that was the first incident. And um, there is a, a very interesting, uh, we go on with this, it says, then his disciples answer him, this is now Mark. First, I read to you from the book of uh, Matthew 15. Now I'm going to Mark chapter number eight. And uh, of course, um, in those days, the multitude being very great from verse number, uh, number one, Mark 8, 1, being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his, his disciples to them and said to them, I have compassion. I'm moved inward in my inner parts of my body 
to for the, on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, will they they will faint on the way? For some of them have come from afar. Do you think he stopped having compassion on you? Do you think so? I'm saying to you, listen to me. He's never stopped having compassion on you. God does not change. He's not a man that he should lie. There is with him no shifting shadow. Nothing changes. That nature, that character remains the same. He still has compassion on you and he still loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ sacrificed himself on a cross, made a covenant established on better promises with us on Calvary, the hill of the skull, and was raised from the dead on the third day, uh, uh, after the third day, and um, three days, three nights, should I say, and uh, came out of the grave, seen by hundreds of people, yet they've tried for 2,000 years unsuccessfully to, you know, to kill the fire because he's the Messiah and he's coming back. Yesterday, just yesterday, I was looking at pictures of the the Great Wall on the eastern side, just above the Garden of Gethsemane, which is the garden uh, where Jesus prayed. It's an olive grove. It's on the Mount of the Olivet. Now, the Olivet is where the olives are. And uh, and uh, the Mount of the Olivet, they, they get the olives. They have a special way of beating the trees. Then the olives drop down. They pick up the olives and then they take them. There's a preserved right there by the tomb of Lazarus at Bethany. There is also a olive millstone, the, the complete thing they used uh, as a man-driven machine uh, to, to crush these olives. The olives, as they are, become edible things. We have them bottles full in the shops as people eat them, and I love eating olives. Uh, and then, of course, when going into that grinder, it's a round millstone in a big flat stone of the same, maybe about as high as this table, <clears throat> and uh, or it could be a little less, a little more, whatever, but let's say as high as this table. And then uh, there's this stone about maybe this thick, maybe thicker than that, that's in a groove exactly. It fits in the groove and it can roll all the way around because it's round like a wheel. In the middle, it's got a hub. There's a big pole going through it. Some men take hold of it and they walk in a circle around and around with that millstone over the olive tree, uh, olives, the berries that are in that, in that groove that they put in the groove. And of course, it crushes everything to pulp. And then there's an escape route. There's like a little funnel where all the oil can pour out. But it's not just oil that come out. Having crushed it, they, they crush it again. Because the first thing they do after they've done their circles, they then clean out the, what is called the tar. And that tar is like, you can say, if you could solidify them, they briquettes. They, you make fire with them. You can actually have make a proper fire just with a tar. So nothing is lost. It causes fire and fire causes light. Furthermore, double portion of the spirit of Elijah on Elisha, fire, and it produces food stuff. Think again of those two prophets, the Elijah factor 
and the Elisha factor. Let's just stay with Elijah factor. Now, the third thing is they then take all of the, the what remains behind and take it again, pour it over into the same basin, uh, and then prevent the oil from running out. And now all this, let's call it like a mush, like a pulp, and they roll it again. And it goes through a second roll of getting the, it crushed even further by the weight of that stone. And again, through the funnel and out, they catch it. They repeat it. They take out all the pulp. That goes again for tar, for cooking on stoves or whatever. And then the third time, they do it the third time round, three times. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, 2,000-year-old trees there, the pivotal spot of his prayer. For me, one of the greatest places of my life I've ever visited. It had a greater impact on me than, than anything else except for going to Calvary itself, the hill of the skull, and being just there and at the empty tomb of Jesus. Those places turn you inside down, inside out, upside down. And I went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the priest there of the Roman Catholic Church, open the gate for me, and it's just once in a lifetime, I walk right in the middle of the garden to the very trees where Jesus was walking and praying with his disciples where he got arrested. And uh, they, they, he prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you read the Gospels, you'll find that for the third time he came to his disciples, after three times, praying three times. The olive oil is crushed three times until now it's only liquid that remains. That liquid is then filtered, filtered, filtered. It can be used in lamps, oil lamps for lighting in homes, or it can be filtered, filtered, filtered like they do at Tekoa and uh, filter it very fine. So there's no more substance apart from pure oil in that, in that substance of what it is, olive oil. And, and that becomes the lighting uh, substance for the burning of the candlestick, the golden candlestick that uh, there are actually several in the kingdom uh, of uh, King Solomon's time. They had several of them standing there burning. And that's how they do it. Three times. Jesus prayed three times. It means the place of crushing. He was feeling the weight of the world's sin. And he was in that millstone, under that millstone. My goodness. And hence, his, his, um, his blood turns to great drops. His sweat, his perspiration turned to great drops of blood. Can you think the pressure on him out there? Now he was ready for the cross. Now he got arrested. And everybody was just going out of control. But in the midst of this roaring crowd, he had struck the victory. He knew he would come out of the grave. And the father had yet again heard him. And yet again, he would be raised. If you look straight up, yesterday I was looking at pictures. Uh, it's amazing. Plants grow on that wall. And they're stains throughout some 2,000 years. And uh, now you have the name of the Almighty God spelt out on the wall between the bricks at cross points nicely in a row. And if you know about it, you know about it. If you don't know about it, you don't know about it. But if you look at them nicely in a row, then you see it says yod he It's the same yod he he And that last he means behold. All right? So... 
it says Yod, the nail, Hay, uh, the, uh, let me just uh, get me those things there. I just want to get the correct definition. There you see the pictographs. Just bring them here. I just want to get the exact thing. There's just my uh, thing here. Hay means behold, yeah, to look and to reveal. So the it says Yod, it says the hand revealed, Vav, through the cross, the resurrection of the Messiah, hey, behold him. And that Messiah is Jesus Christ. So the final hey is not there because on the day of the Armageddon, he will be revealed. Now the Jews are standing there looking at this. They say, these are the holy letters of the Holy One. Yod, hey, vav. But where's the hey? Because that is to behold the Son of God coming to the Temple Mount to reign for a thousand years. Now he asked the people, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took seven loaves and gave thanks and broke them, gave thanks and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. They set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to them also before them, so uh, he set them also before them. So they ate and they were filled and took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. And uh, they were about 4,000 in that case uh, there. And uh, then he went to the, the area of Dalmutha. And what we do if we read around here, uh, it says here that they had five loaves uh, and uh, it says these little fish. And they took these five loaves, loaves, a little fish from a little boy that had them. You know, God takes things out of your hands. <laughs> listen, listen to me. God takes things out of your hands. If you give it to God, he multiplies it. The little loaves, the little fish, two small fish, three, four small fish, and just a few loaves. You take it, you give it to God, and... Right there, he begins to multiply it. People hold on to it. They hold on to their tithing. Why don't you for once listen to your heart, not to the world system, and give God the privilege of blessing you? Because after all, the Bible says he's the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for him, too difficult to bless you? So they gave what belonged to a little boy, obviously was given to his mother, from his mother to him. And then the, he prayed over it and he blessed the food like we do. And then he just gave it to the multitude and thousands of people were fed. If we give over our situations to God, if we just learn to give it over, then you see, I think of that place called Tabcha. Uh, I think of the place of the uh, Beatitudes where the Lord blessed the people, blessed are the poor in spirit and so on and so forth. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Uh, there you see on the ground the fish and you see two fish and you see some loaves there on the ground. It's like a garden made up like that. It was there when I was there last. And it's just, I'm thinking, you know, just give anything over. Cast your burdens unto Jesus. He cares for you. Give it over to Jesus. And let him multiply your resources. You know what? He will multiply your talents.
You know what? He will multiply your abilities. You know what? You will achieve twice as much as your fathers before you. You know, Elijah said, my father, my father. He will, he will multiply everything double portion for you. Two times, in other words, of what you've seen before. Because God's in control. I've learned to cast everything into his hand. And that begins with my tithing and through the month, no matter what the problem, I take it to him and we, more and I pray together. It's a done thing. We give it to God. He takes over from there and we watch. And I see the results. Sometimes I don't see the results. I just hear about a miracle that took place here, like we spoke about this morning, uh, and how a man that was going blind, that, that sickness just disappeared straight out of him, and he can now see. Can you think about it? The, the prognosis was you're going to be blind. And now he's got not that, that sickness just disappeared. Give it over to Jesus. He cares for you. He will multiply everything you do. He will bless you. You'll be in health even as your soul prospers. Haven't I told you today? Next week we continue the Elijah factor and it goes deeper now. Let's do it. Father, I thank you for this. I pray for the revelation of multiplication as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, harvest time will never cease. We sow and we reap what a man sows, is that what he reaps. When we sow our talents and we ask God, bless these talents, they have weight, they have value, you multiply those talents. You multiply our abilities. You open up doors. In a desert land, you called, caused Isaac to begin to prosper, reap a hundredfold. It's all about God. It's the relationship strength with God. That's the most pivotal thing, and that's what protects us against the COVID also. I thank you, Lord Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.